All right, everybody, what's up? Welcome into Best on the Board here at The Athletic. It is Monday, December 6th. Monday is look-ahead day in the NFL and a little bit of NBA talk coming up later with Tass Mellis from No Dunks. But we start things off, Michael Beller and Andrew DeWitt taking a look ahead to Week 14 early lines in the NFL. DeWitt, how you doing today, my friend? Doing great. Another awesome week of uh, NFL picks. Uh in my, my straight-up pick'em league, I would have gone perfect if the freaking Lions didn't complete that pass <laughs> to the last second. So I have a big decision tonight. I have to go Bills or Patriots for way too much money. So I'm currently debating that in my head. I, last week, I picked Patriots plus three, so I'm kind of yep. leaning that direction, but I'm mm-hmm. not 100% sure yet. So, And is this something where you get to change your pick? Like, do you know what everyone else has picked? I don't. You don't know until the last game. So, like, it locks. It, it locks at game time. I so I could you. go either Bills or Patriots, and I have the lead, so I'll at least default down to the tiebreaker, even if my team loses. I have the so I'm in solo first place. So very nice, good luck on that. Whatever you end up going with, uh, in the show from last week, uh, you are zero and one. I am at one and zero. You were very. I mean, you hit the like the bow ideal pick of what we're looking for on these Monday best in the board episodes. In that you jumped on Washington when they were uh, two and a half point underdogs, and it just came through perfectly. So a great pick uh, for you. I'm sitting at the one and zero also after my pick from a week ago. We were both waiting on Bills and Patriots, so that's uh, that's uh, where our second pick comes in, and we'll see that that was when we were actually on opposite sides you with the Patriots and me with the Bills so we'll see where that comes in to uh, round out our records after week 13 but going into it you're at 8 and 9 I'm at 9 and 14 we're going to keep those in mind and look ahead now to week 14 early lines and this is uh, an interesting slate to it we actually found a little bit of agreement in our picks we'll save those for pick number two because uh, you like my pick a little bit I like your pick a little bit but let's go uh, down a different road here for our first picks we're going to start with you and we're going to start Start with the game everyone is excited for in Week 14. Jaguars and Titans. Titans 10.5-point favorites in this game at home over at BetMGM, presenting sponsor of the Athletics Best on the Board. What do you like for this game? I mean, I'm, I'm just on the Jaguars here, and this is kind of looking back at last week. So the, the Jaguars went into Los Angeles, cross-country road trip, and they were 14-point underdogs. And now they're going to Tennessee – and when we look at the Titans and the Rams, like I don't even think those teams are on the same level at all. Um, you know, I, I think the Rams are one of the better teams still after they kind of figured things out. You know, they had that slump, but I think they're going in the right direction. You know, Stafford is like really banged up, but which is we'll we'll throw that out the way. And I, I think that you know, I just think the Jags are a little bit better than ten and a half, and the Titans are so banged up still. You know, Ryan Tannehill has no weapons on offense. Donta Foreman. Des Fitzpatrick, Chester Rogers, that's who's number one on the depth chart right now. I mean, it's just a really poorly put together football team right now. And that's just because of the injuries they've had. They probably had mm-hmm. the worst luck in the NFL or top, you know, top five in the injury luck category. So you can probably still get this at plus 11 if you shop around a little bit. I've seen the number moving back. It definitely opened at plus 11 last night when I saw it. I jumped on it, bet, it, bet that at bet MGM, and now it's moved to 10 and a half. You know, there's still some 11s sitting out there um, at different shops, you know. And I just think, you know, when is the Jaguars have to put a good good game together at some point, right? Do they? I don't know. <laughs> I did I did watch a lot of that Rams Jaguars game last night and and Trevor Lawrence, like he's just really concerning to me, like how yeah. bad he looks. He's like Peyton Manning bad first year right now. So yeah. and it's kind of changed. Yeah. 
It really did turn out okay. But he, it it's kind of concerning because all these other quarterbacks are doing okay. You know, Mac Jones is having a great season. Uh-huh. So I'm just I'm concerned about it. But I think this line is just a little too big for what the Titans have on offense right now. So I'm kind of hoping it's an ugly game. Maybe the Titans get a lead and then, like, mm-hmm. the Jaguars are able to come back and, like, backdoor cover the spread. It's just – it's an ugly game and got to make it interesting somehow, right? I think your if-then logic makes sense if the Jaguars were just 13-and-a-half, 14-point underdogs against the Rams, then they should be something bigger than that against the Titans, and they certainly should be not three points less. I mean, like, all that definitely makes a little bit – it makes sense. I I think you're you're on the right track there. I just can't trust the Jaguars. I mean, this team is terrible, and they they, they look the part of a god-awful football team. In every single sense of the word. And, like, the defense has been improved to a certain point, and you would think that this Titans matchup would be one that they could take advantage of if the improved defense they showed most notably in their 9-6 win over the Bills is something close to for real. But, man, this offense is bad. And you want to talk about a team without any weapons. I mean, they they, they just they can't get anything going. And, and Urban Meyer doesn't want to fully commit to James Robinson every single week after the fumbles. Like, this is an offense that... I mean, they they could have trouble getting to ten points in this game. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you on that either. It's 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 stinky. Don't get don't get me wrong. I'm mostly just leaning on looking at the power rankings of, yep. you know, the the teams and the spreads the last couple of weeks and where they're at. And I think that's just kind of why I'm leaning on this number. And you know, it's already moved in my direction. So hopefully, maybe it'll move another half point. But you know. It's hard. It's stinky, man. We're just playing the market numbers at this point. <laughs> We're just playing the market numbers. That is absolutely true, and that is part of the reason why I like my first pick of Packers and Bears. 12.5 points. That's a big number delay early in the week. We are always looking for things that we think are going to go in that direction. So if I'm backing the Packers plus 12.5, part of the reason I'm doing that on a Monday is because I should at least think that this is going to go to 13, to 13 and a half, and maybe even to that magic number of 14. And ultimately, DeWitt, I do think it gets there. And that's why I'm comfortable betting such a big number, laying such a big number this early in the week. Packers coming off a bye, playing this game at home, Sunday night football against, frankly, just a bad Bears team. Not like an embarrassing team, not a team that goes out there and can't do anything. And there's no shame in, you know, getting run off your own field by the Arizona Cardinals like the Bears did in Week 13. Cardinals are the best record in the NFL. Like, that's, you know, there's, there's no shame like some teams are just bad that's what the bears are they're not an embarrassing team they're not the jaguars or the jets or the texans but they're just barely ahead of those teams and the packers really should just take care of business we cannot underestimate just how important all these games are going down to the wire for these top level nfc teams and i would say especially the packers because they have that head-to-head win over the cardinals if those two teams end the season tied it's the Packers who get the one seed home field advantage and the bye in the NFC, not the Cardinals. So every single game is one where the Packers uh, need to show up and show out. And a game against the Bears at home, this really should be one that they win comfortably. And just as importantly, I, I see this game getting up to 14. I really do see it getting to that two-touchdown threshold. So I want to get it now while I can still win my bet by backing the Packers if they do end up winning this game by two touchdowns, which I expect them to do. Are you at all concerned with Aaron Rodgers' like injury and how he's looked the couple? Like I, the bye obviously helps. The mm-hmm. Bye always helps with injuries, no matter what. Are you concerned like how much that toe injury? They even talked about surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, potentially during the bye week. Is are you concerned about Aaron Rodgers? And how much it would change if you know somehow he's not healthy and you know he doesn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. He's not going to practice probably either day. So 
he really hasn't looked any worse for wear uh, with that toe injury over the, the two games that we've known about it uh, from, right? There is a, there is a loss mixed in there. There is a, It's just one and one in those two games. But Packers put up 31 points in the loss, and it certainly was not Aaron Rodgers' fault that they ended up losing that game to the Vikings. So, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it were totally a non-concern. Obviously, I would rather Aaron Rodgers be absolutely 100% himself, uh, but... That said, I still feel very comfortable with where this number comes in. The Packers are just every facet of the game so much better than what the Bears can bring to the table right now. A team that also offensively really doesn't have a whole lot going for itself. Expect Justin Fields back in this game, but that's not even an objective good based on where he and Andy Dalton have been this season. So I like the Packers quite a bit in this spot. Feel comfortable with the 12 and a half uh, all this early in the week. Our next two picks to it, as I said, ones that we both support one another's picks. I very much considered going Bengals minus one and a half against the 49ers. This feels like an extreme overreaction to what the Bengals put on tape against the Chargers yesterday in a game that, frankly, was a lot closer than 41-22, as the final suggests. Yeah, I mean, they the Bengals came back in that game. They had a chance to kind of erase that deficit they built for themselves early. But, you know, the, the Bengals' defense, they're great. And Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo was just awful yesterday <laughs> against the Seahawks. Um, you know, they just got swept by the, the worst Seattle team in the last 10 years, you know, <laughs> since Russell Wilson's been there. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think Burrow's finger is a concern. I mean, everybody saw it, you know, even on Red Zone, it was popping up that, you know, his finger, his pinky finger was jammed. Uh, Drew Brees was talking on Sunday Night Football about how the pinky finger actually matters more than the ring finger because that's how you guide the football. Um, and it looks like he was on his throwing hand. It looks like he put it back in place, but it was really nasty looking yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of a concern for me. But I just think the Bengals are a better team, especially at home against this 49ers team. They don't know a lot about each other because it's AFC, NFC matchup. There's no divisional ties here. So I just see, you know, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase having a really good day. Burroughs being able to lead them to some touchdowns, good drives. And then the, the Bengals defense kind of leading the way in this game to, you know, shut down Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers offense. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to look at this. And also, you mentioned the Bengals' defense, and someone could say, well, they just gave up 41 points. It's like, yeah, they gave up 41 points, but first of all, six of those came from uh, the defensive side of the ball for the Chargers, so it's, we're down into the mid-30s. And they just hit a few really big pass plays, the Chargers did, and that's something the Chargers are going to be able to do, too, from time to time against basically any defense. Not exactly something you're very concerned with when you're going up against San Francisco's offense, especially without Debo Samuel. George Kittle, he's a handful for any defense to handle, uh, but I do think this is one where the Bengals should be bigger than one-and-a-half-point favorites. Again, it feels like an overreaction to Bengals-Chargers and not enough of a reaction to the fact that the 49ers are just this up-and-down team, and they really feel like a team that you take one guy away. Doesn't matter who it is. You take away Debo Samuel, you take away George Kittle, you take away Eli Mitchell, right? First it was Raheem Mostert, then Eli Mitchell. You take any one guy out of that offense, and there is a significant trickle-down effect. We saw that yesterday against the Seahawks. I think there's good reason to believe Debo Samuel misses another game, and I think they would be hard-pressed to win this one in Cincinnati without Debo. So I like your pick, and I'm going to an AFC North team as well. Give me the Steelers, plus 3.5 against the Vikings. This is Thursday night football this week, so it's a short week uh, for both of these teams, but... Feels like sort of field goal game. And another team in Minnesota, just like we talked about with San Francisco, they rely on a very small core of offensive players. And two of those guys are going to be out for this game. Delvin Cook, not going to play with his shoulder chest injury. And now Adam Thielen with the high ankle sprain that he suffered in week 13. He's not going to be ready for a quick turnaround on Thursday night either. And so 
you know, it's not as though Alexander Madison is this just enormous downgrade from Dalvin Cook, but he is something of a downgrade. You take Adam Thielen out, you replace those targets with KJ Osborne, maybe a little bit more for Tyler Conklin. It's not a, you know, woe is us total disaster situation for Minnesota, but it is an obvious downgrade. And so you make those two moves for a team that really does have to win on the offensive side of the ball. I think this game stays close. But the way the Steelers are playing, we've seen a couple of strong offensive performances for them a couple of weeks in a row. We know what this defense can do most weeks. I think this game stays close, three and a half. It's just a little bit too big of a number for me to win. And I know that this is a side that you're on as well. Yeah, I think it's important to get the key number at three and a half here. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to take it at plus three. I think it's Same. one thing, you know, it's Kirk Cousins. You know, Adam Thielen being out is a huge loss for him because Adam Thielen's kind of like a safety blanket. You know, when he's looking for somebody in the red zone, he's looking for that conversion, you know, third and long, third and seven. Adam Thielen's that guy, and he's not going to be there for him. And I think that's a huge hit. And the Vikings are really similar to the Ravens, and everybody was so into the Ravens on this going into this game yesterday. And the Steelers, like, frustrated them. The Steelers' defense frustrated them. And, and, you know, the Steelers' defense, you know, Watt made the huge play at the end of the game to kind of win the game for them there. But the Steelers play that type of football, and it's going to be frustrating for the Vikings. Like, the Steelers are a frustrating football team to play if you're yeah. the opposing team because they're going to control the ball. They're going to try to run the ball. And Big Ben's going to figure out on a drive or two how to put up the points. So I just – I do like the Steelers at plus three and a half here. Like I said, I wouldn't touch it if it goes to three for some reason. It just doesn't feel no, right no, to no. me. But I, I like I'm the hook you. here. I think it'll move to plus three at some point today. I don't know when that'll be, but, you know, make sure you're line shopping. Make sure you get the best number on these games because it, it often turns out to be the the difference between winning and losing on these games. Yeah, easy to talk myself into this being a field goal game. The moment it goes down to plus three, I have no interest whatsoever in the Steelers. And it's been uh, an obvious year of regression for Ben Roethlisberger. But as we saw yesterday and as we saw against the Chargers a couple weeks ago, You've got guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool out wide for you. You can still make some big things happen down the field. So this is, you know, this is not Ben Roethlisberger of years and years and years ago, but this is still a team that can hit some big plays down the field. Again, I think there's enough here that the Steelers keep this one close, keep it within three. So that's why I'm on the Steelers plus three and a half. Get the number while you can. Get Andrew DeWitt while you can. DeWitt, good stuff, man. We're going to let you go on this episode of Best on the Board. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, NBA time on this episode of Best on the Board. Tass Mellis from No Dunks joining us. Now, Tass, coming off a 2-0 week, man. How you feeling? Ah, yeah. God. You just said it yourself, man. A 2-0 week. <laughs> feeling good. I feel like I should have had more of those weeks, although there's, some, there's been some backdoor plays. But, yeah, feeling really good coming into this week. Yeah, was uh, a couple of props for you last week to refresh everyone's memory. Carl Anthony Towns blowing past the 21.5 point number that you were on. And then Donovan Mitchell also, 24.5 was his number. Puts up sorry, 30 points. Sorry about that Eric Gordon line that uh, you had, Michael. Man, it was, it was, right it was I, I, I felt good about it. I still felt good about it. And I uh, maybe it's a lesson to not get so cute, right? I'm, I'm out here playing Eric Gordon in a larger role than expected for Houston props. You're saying, screw it. Give me Cat. Give me Donovan Mitchell. Let them do what they do. So maybe a lesson to be learned in that. Let's just trust the stars to be stars rather than trying to bank on these secondary players. So uh, the 2-0 and bumps you up to 7-5 and for the season. I am down at 2-5, and unfortunately. So I'm going to try to pull a task here and, uh, and get myself back on track. After the 2-0 and on props, though, you're going back to teams. We're going back to just sides here for you this week. I'm going to stick in the prop world for my one play of the week. But let's start out with you, and let's start out with the hottest team in the NBA right now, Golden State Warriors, 15.5-point favorites tonight at home against the Orlando Magic. No funny business, no funny business, excuse me, in this one? 
Absolutely not. Yeah, I banked on Cat <laughs> and Donovan Mitchell, the stars last week. I'm banking yeah. on a great team this week to bounce back and hammer the Magic because they did lose on Saturday night. The Warriors did. Mm-hmm. They lost to the San Antonio Spurs at home. Now, great teams do bounce back after a loss. So that's what I'm banking on here. And before that loss, the Warriors had won 11 in a row at home by double digits, an average of 20 points in those 11 games. That's Spurs loss. I guess if you look back at a kind of a schedule loss, they beat the Phoenix Suns, who were the hottest team mm-hmm. in the NBA the night before. They had won 18 games in a row. The Warriors took care of business. Uh, and then Saturday, yeah, it was a, it was a dud. Uh, Curry hit the pregame shot from a pedestrian exit in the lower bowl pregame, and then he went 7 of 28 in the game. So I'm banking on him to bounce back. I- I'm banking on guys who are sort of getting back in the flow of things for the Warriors. Sometimes you can look at that roster and say, hey, where- where's the offense going to come from? Well, they've mm-hmm. got a lot of offense from guys like Andrew Wiggins, who had an off night. Damian Lee, who's been struggling with uh, his shot and an injury. Uh, but he was 6 of 12 in that Spurs game. So I feel like they're getting it together. And as much as I love the Orlando Magic and their youthfulness, they are one of the worst teams in the NBA. They're in the midst of a very long road trip. And they haven't won a road game since November 17th. And Golden State's not the spot they're going to get a win. So I just think things will go back to normal in Golden State tonight. Yeah, this is uh, – I love the logic. Love the logic, absolutely, and I think I'm just going to have to tail you on this one for all of the reasons that you said. I'm going to move us over to the prop world with Cade Cunningham. Uh, really going to line things up here, Tess. 28.5 points, rebounds, and assists is his total number here. I think he goes over that. And you know, Part of this uh, goes back to something you and I have talked about a little bit when we're looking especially at props in that uh, if you just add up his season averages for points, rebounds, and assists, you're sitting right on 25. This is now three and a half above that number. That's that's a significant increase, right? right? I mean, that, that's that's big. I mean, it, it maybe doesn't sound like it's that huge. Oh, he hits a three, gets an assist above his average, and boom, he's got he's over the he's over the number. But that's a big in-game increase to be set as his number to get over as a prop. And so I just look at that and I say. You know, this is being set at this number for a reason, and it feels almost as though we're being baited into taking the under because it's so significantly under his season averages. So that right there just makes me want to line up with the where I think the odds makers are going and play the over. No shade, Gilgis Alexander for Oklahoma City. He seems to be the guy who would match up well, right? That same sort of size and length that Cade brings to the floor every single night. He's going to miss this game still dealing with a, the after effects of a concussion. And so I look at the OKC side of things and really feel like they're going to be hard-pressed to match up with Cade Cunningham. And uh, this is, in his rookie year, just a guy who we know is going to be able to put together nights like this when an advantageous matchup presents itself to him. And a guy who can have an off night with the assists but then end up grabbing 10 rebounds. A guy who can have an off night shooting the ball but still grind his way to like a 12, 10, and 8 sort of night. And I like that. I like the versatility of his play, especially when I don't think there's anyone on the other side of the ball who can really match up with him. So that's why I'm going Cade here. Really like him, like this spot for him, like this spot against an OKC team that I just don't really think can slow him down all that effectively. So Cade Cunningham, for me, goes over this mark. Yeah, and he's... Started the season slow. He was injured, and when he was mm-hmm. involved in his first few games, he was absolutely taking it slow. So I think the line makers are just seeing where he is right now. I, I yeah. think they're understanding that Kate is coming on. Uh, he is playing really, really well in that number, twenty-eight and a half points, rebounds, and assists. I mean, it's a good line, and I, I think you're 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 bang on in that it's set high because Kate's playing better uh, yeah. than his season averages. He, he's he's 
strictly just come along slowly and now he's starting to come into that rookie of the year race so it's uh it's a good play i, I do believe uh, the okc uh, that that <laughs> debacle yeah. going on there yeah th- this this was our game of the night on, on no dunks as well mm-hmm. uh, three of the four of us picked detroit sort of for the reasons you're saying okc is just uh, not in a good uh, yeah. matchup spot here they don't have their best player and um Will they bounce back after a, a laughable loss uh, against the Grizzlies the other day? TBD. <laughs> yeah, TBD, exactly, and I don't think they do. Uh, something else I would think about with this, if you're considering Cade Cunningham at this mark, plus 500 for him to get a double-double, so you can get 5-1 to one on your money if you're interested in taking a little bit of a shot on that as well. Let's get one more pick in here, Tass. We got Cavs and Bucks getting together for a game today in Milwaukee. You like the Cavs side of this, plus 6.5 on the road here. Let's hear the argument for it. Yeah, I'm a huge Cavs fan. I'll start with that. Uh, but this Cavs team plays everyone close. They haven't lost a game by 7 or more in nearly 3 weeks, and that's when they were really banged up. They were a totally different team then. This Cavs team, it's a playoff team. Their point differential is plus 2.6. Now, they did play yesterday. It was a one-point loss against the Utah Jazz, a really good team. It was an afternoon game, though, so they had time to get on the plane, a quick jaunt from Cleveland to Milwaukee. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that will be a factor, really. And you talk about matchups there uh, in Detroit. Rudy Gobert, the center for Utah yesterday, was a beast against the Cavs' front line. And that's usually where the Cavs have an advantage. They play three seven-footers, and Jared Allen is usually a big problem for the other team's center. And he'll get back to that today against Milwaukee. He's playing Bobby Portis. That's where the Cavs have their advantage, and I think they'll feel like they're back to normal. And they're getting back on the road. This is where they play their best basketball. It's really surprising, actually. They're 8-4 and four on the road, 5-7 and seven at home. So before that one-point loss in Cleveland, they had won three straight on the road, Dallas, Miami, and Washington. I feel good about this one. Now, Yanis Tetkumpo, also a game-time decision. He's questionable right now. He's missed the last two games with a calf injury. That doesn't really stop the Milwaukee Bucks. They're a really good team. So will he come back here on his 27th birthday tonight? Maybe yes, maybe no, but it doesn't really affect my line of thinking in this game. Again, the Cavs are just too good for this plus-six-and-a-half-point mm-hmm. line. Like the line makers, I think, are catching up with Cade Cunningham. I don't think they're really caught up with the Cavs side of things. People just look at the Cavs and think, well, this team has lost the most NBA games over the past three seasons combined. That's understandable. You don't give the Cavs a lot of respect, but they are playing really good basketball. And and I do expect them to extend that here in Milwaukee. Plus, we just had a great article on The Athletic on Ricky Rubio and that he didn't want to join the Cavs. And then he joined him. Now he's having Mm -hmm. one of his best seasons by Joe Varden and Kelsey Russo. So, heck, they're a little athletic plug there. But I'm just a Cavs fan. and And I do believe this line is just a little too juicy, even against a good Milwaukee team. Let me ask you this. I actually saw uh, you tweet out a happy birthday message to Giannis and uh, thanking him for uh, promoting your yogurt brand back in uh, back in 2014. What was up with that? I, I, I'm new to the story. Uh, well, yeah, not much of a story. This, this won't take long. I had the opportunity to... Uh, to interview Yanis in 2014, so we made up a yogurt brand called Tassos, <laughs> my full name, Greek yogurt brand, and he was a rook in the league, and he was willing yeah. to do that dumb thing that we asked him to do in an interview. And oh, I've had a you know a love hate relationship with him. I mean, I all love for me, but in 2015, this was two years into his career. He had just averaged like 12, 12 and a half points mm-hmm. in in the league, and people were anointing him the next one. And I and I called him when when we were asked our preview question of. Who is an overrated player in the league? I called oh. Yanis Tetokounmpo an overrated player, and it was it, and I still defend it. Back then, people were again putting him in the Hall of Fame yeah. at that point, 
And then he used it as motivation. There's other other uh, videos where he accepted an award uh, on behalf of us, the uh, the most improved player award, and he gave me a little kudos for giving him a little motivation. <laughs> so we've we've got a relationship going back and forth. <laughs> Unfortunately, my yogurt brand didn't take off, but uh, yeah, yeah. Kumpo's career did take off. So yeah, 27 for him. Does he play tonight? I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't know. He's missed two games. And uh, again, this Cavs team is huge up front. So yeah. it would obviously benefit Milwaukee to have him there. But I don't know. I, I think they'll, they'll fight on the road. That six and a half points mm-hmm. is big. It's definitely big for a team, as you mentioned. I mean, the trends, uh, you know, when you are, when you play as often close of a game as you, as Kill Cleveland has this season, a team that just really, regardless of opponent, has not been blown out all that often. Uh, that should give you a lot of confidence when you're catching yeah. six and a half, regardless of venue, regardless of opponent. So Cavaliers plus six and a half in Milwaukee, wrapping things up for us on this episode of Best on the Board. We thank you all for joining us for Best on the Board. For Andrew DeWitt, Tess Mellis, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for being with us on this Monday episode. Good luck, and as always, happy betting. Talk to you soon. And go Bills! <laughs>